Blog Talk Radio.
Father. Father, we're supposed to have an intimate relationship with you. You are our Abba Father. Lord Jesus, even more so, the love of our soul, the one who suffered so to save our souls. The story is ever so much deeper and more vivid and unbelievably awesome than we could have ever, ever have imagined or derived from the from just the 66-book canon biblical text. And we thank you, Father, for whatever limited understanding that you have blessed us with that is helping us to be able to navigate the very difficult days that we are in right now. Father, I just want to say I praise you and I thank you in accordance with um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18, that it is the, your will, the will of the Father, that we should give you praise in all things. And I want to give you praise, Father. I, you know that I was awful helpful, hopeful about my <clears throat> knee and not having to get surgery. And I know now that it is your will that I do. And that's okay. Um, and as you know, I'm not real happy about that, but that's okay. I praise your holy name, Father, because I just believe with all of my heart that there's another reason. There's some reason, maybe somebody that needs witness to in the surgical waiting room. Um, whatever that may be, Father, I praise you for that because I realize that this is not even serious surgery at all. It's meniscus stuff. It's in and out, arthroscopic, you know, two-hour inpatient type stuff, and I just praise you for it. I, I wish I didn't have such a fantastically expensive copay, but um, I just praise you for that too, Father, because I just know that that loss of money that could have gone into the kingdom, well, it's going to have a deeper meaning. I just believe it with all of my heart, and I thank you for it. I want to praise you for the things that I'm sad about right now. I want, I want, I want to, on behalf of every listener of this program, I want to lift you up and glorify you for the things that all of us must be feeling rather crummy about. Things like, why are we still here in the midst of um, so much revelation of evil? Why are we called to, to, uh, to endure it um, so much? I mean, it's one thing to be a little bit aware of it, like I have been over the last 10 years, 12, 15 years, um, you know, to be aware of it and to be able to put it in the back of your mind. It's another thing to have it in the AMC 24 theaters, Father, and, and reptilian beings uh, appearing on planes and all kinds of now there's denials coming out and some very strange individual that is almost guaranteed a reptilian trying to pl play it off like it it's not a reptilian thing and you know just satanic confusion everywhere we look satanic confusion everywhere we look unless we just turn a blind eye to it and stare at the TV and pretend like it's not happening or just go into a state of denial and that's unfortunately taking the blue pill and we can't do that we'd like to but we can't. And we do recognize, even though we carry the burden of understanding these things, carry the burden of having them thrown in our face and to, I mean, to come to a place where if we even want to know if a nuclear bomb has been set off, we have to see 
evidence in our face of horrible things that are worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. I believe with all of my heart, absolutely, bar none, at least 10 times, if not more, horrible, degenerate, degenerate, I don't even know, abominable, what are the words? And to have to endure it, to have to have it become common vernacular, common vernacular, to be talking openly about adrenochrome and frazzle drip, open discussions about things that should never, never even be seen, let alone heard. Father, those of us who are called to be pure before you, to the pure, all things are pure, for us to have to be subject to these things, just to find out, just in in a feeble attempt to try to find out what might be true in the news, to have the satanic laugh of entities that are clearly not human. running multiple parts of the world, an onslaught that is so far beyond that which anyone could have imagined. Surely I would have accepted it for the Great Tribulation before it to be happening. Now, I'm absolutely blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. And Father, on behalf of all of those out there, there are church, there are a few teensy weensy, maybe less than point one point zero 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 one percent of maybe a few churches out there that have at least caught on to a few things like the approach of the central bank digital currencies and but very few who understand the entire architecture of the mark of the beast and the graphene oxide and all the other elements and architectural components that are being, I mean, they're literally being installed. Father, there are water companies, water companies, Father, where we buy bottled water from that are putting enormous amounts of graphene oxide in the water that we buy to get fresh water. I mean, so much graphene oxide that when it's um, electromagnified, it turns the water black. They're spraying deadly chemicals on the outside of our fruits and vegetables. They're murdering the livestock. They're shutting down the farms. They're stealing the property of people. Is this what is necessary? How far do we have to go through this? We were promised, Father, and I don't understand what went wrong, but we were promised through your servants to prophets more than eight years ago that when we came to this point, there would be an outpouring and anointing of the Holy Spirit that would fall upon us, that would enable us in many supernatural ways to be able to navigate deal with emotionally 
and contribute to the kingdom in a magnanimous way when things started to get dark. But what is that? What is the definition of dark? Why does Luke twenty one thirty six say? You know, for to ask us to pray always to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. What does the word all mean? All of what? So, when it says in Joshua 1.9, that we are not to be afraid, nor thou be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. To tell us to be strong and of good courage. We are dismayed. At least I am. I don't, I can't speak for anybody else, but I imagine by the tone of some communications and text messages and emails that I've received over the last, well, that the intensity of them has been growing exponentially over the last probably four months, getting worse and worse and worse. And wars, and wars, and wars, and wars. And Father, all I can say is your will be done. And praise you, Lord. Praise you, Father. Because behind all of these things that are happening, there is no question in my heart that there is mercy. Behind me having to get my knee you know, thinking that I was healed and walking around praising you and jumping for joy because you healed me. And then to find out today that you didn't heal me. And that's okay. It's all right. I still praise you. And I know there's a lot of other people out there that feel that way too and have gone through those dynamics before. I went through it with my mother when she turned 56 and died from diabetes after going to hundreds of divine healing seminars. And it's all right. Your will be done, Father. We want to get out of here real, real bad. We want to get out of here real, real bad. Because it was it used to be kind of funny and fun. This, we want to get off this alien demon infested rock 10 years ago. Eight years ago. It's not funny anymore. It's not funny anymore. The situation has turned very ugly. And all I can ask of you, Father, on behalf of all of those with us tonight or listening to a podcast, is please, your scripture proclaims that you're merciful. And looking back on our lives, it would certainly seem so. Even looking back on recent events of our lives, I would think that it would certainly seem so. But at the same time, Father, is it possible, as Jesus said, I believe it was in Matthew 26, 31 or 2, I can't remember. I don't want to look it up. When you, when Jesus, when you said, if it is at all possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Slowly, we are all finding ourselves approaching a point where each day we want to pray a similar prayer. If it is at all possible, Father, through your mercy and loving kindness. 
Can you speed things up? It's one thing to suffer and know what you have to go through, whatever that may be. Maybe it's some sort of cancer surgery. Maybe it's, it's even whatever it could be. There's so many gazillions of things that it could be, things that might could be really bad or whatever, even a loss of a job or a layoff or anything like that. This can be some pretty horrible things to have to go through, especially in a, in a world like today. At what point do we fall to our knees and cry out to you and say, Father, if it is at all possible, take this cup from us. For the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was certainly not for the season, because we are in this season deep now. And I, quite honestly, as you know, by looking in my heart, don't really believe those prophecies anymore. I don't, it's, or I should say it a little differently, I don't believe that the timing that was implied by those prophecies was anywhere near accurate the way that it was stated. And we all see through the mirror dimly. If it is at all possible, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, can you place a spirit of hope? Can you please place a spirit of peace? Can you please place a spirit of mercy? Can you please place a spirit of long-suffering and patience upon each of our hearts and strengthen us as you have promised time and time again in your scripture? You know I carry laminated scriptures in my pocket with me everywhere. And I have some I can read right now. But they didn't come true. But I praise you anyway because I know that sometimes your answer is no. And just like uh, Charles Spurgeon had said, uh, I'm going to read this now, praise God. Tear it off the wall in order to be able to see it. Actually, i got to do a whole bunch of things in order to be able to see it. There we go. Praise God. May 19th, after I prayed that I could die, but I just didn't want to be alive anymore. I just wanted to come home. I think a lot of us have probably been in that place. Haven't we, Father? It was a remarkable thing that a man who was never to die, for whom God had ordained an indefinite indefinitely and indefinitely better lot. The man who should be carried to heaven in a chariot of fire, I find that very interesting, by the way, and be translated that he should not see death, thus should pray, let me die. I am no better than my father's. We have here a memorable proof that God does not always answer prayer in kind. In other words, he doesn't, you know, you ask him for something very specific, and he he chooses not to give you that specific request. And it could be life or death. He goes on to say, though he always does in effect. So in other words, he does answer the prayers, but they don't always, the answer is not always what we ask for. 
He gave Elias something better than that which he asked, and thus really heard and answered him. Strange was it that the lion-hearted Elijah should be so depressed by Jezebel's threat as to ask to die. And blessedly kind was it on the part of our Heavenly Father that he did not take his despondent servant at his word. Could that be applicable to us all? Maybe, Father, we're not asking to die, but we are certainly asking for some help here. Emotional help, physical help, um, all the promises that your Bible has for us and says them over and over again. And you're not a man that you should lie. So I believe those promises. I believe them with all my heart, no matter what goes on to say, there's a limit to the doctrine of prayer of faith. Wow. We are not to expect that God will give us everything that we choose to ask for. Sorry, my eyes itching, and you know how you have to take your reading glasses off and all that kind of weirdness. Um, It says, we are not to expect that God will give us everything that we choose to ask for. We know that we sometimes ask and do not receive. Because we ask amiss. And I can definitely think of a whole bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, dozens of times when I know as a fact I was not asking amiss. And we ask for that which is not promised if we run counter to the spirit of which the Lord would have us cultivate. If we ask contrary to his will or to the decrees of his divine providence. If we ask, now see right there is a gotcha. See, the, the decrees of his divine providence. That's a gotcha. That's a catch-all phrase. The Holy Spirit had to give, give that one to Charles Spurgeon, I'll tell you that, praise God, because that's a catch-all phrase. That's what I call a get-out-of-jail-free card. No matter what the Scripture says, when you have a statement like that in the midst of the passage, it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's like... I promise you this and this and this and this and this and this and this if you do that and that and that and that. Except. Except. And there's gazillions of those through the scripture, but you have to be looking for them. It says, we we must, it says, um, if we ask merely for the gratification of our own ease, which is not my case, or the case of any of us in this case, or or maybe it is to some degree, or without an eye to God's glory. So you got us there, Father. We must not expect that we will receive. But Father, we're not asking you to rapture us tonight. In the name of Jesus, we are asking you for strength, for strength, for peace, for patience. Patience that is so that it only fits the term long-suffering. Long-suffering means patience that has so much endurance that you cannot define it. You can't say it only lasts for Monday Monday through Wednesday. Long-suffering is patience that has no limit to its end. Yet, when we ask in faith, not doubting, we will receive, uh, I'm sorry, if we receive not the precise thing for which we, um, uh, you know, which we asked, 
we shall receive an equivalent and more than an equivalent for it. Interesting. As one remarks, if the Lord does not pay in silver, he will pay in gold. And if he doesn't pay in gold, he will pay in diamonds. If he does not give you precisely what you ask for, he will give you that which is tantamount to it. That which you will greatly rejoice to receive in lieu thereof. Be then, dear reader, much in prayer, and make this evening a season of earnest intercession. But take heed what you ask. Praise God, hold on. I wanted to put that back on the wall where I have it taped. I've got so many scriptures and everything taped and stuck to the wall. I don't have any very small little spots. I have to put them right back. Father, none of these requests violate or go outside of the anointed words of Charles Spurgeon in that May 19th dedication, except that we must recognize that you have deemed, in accordance with Proverbs 139, verse 16, and Ephesians 2, 10, where we, were, where we had works that were written into our books before we were even born on the earth, that we were to walk in them, which is supported uh, in Ephesians 2, 10. And we also know that the scripture tells us, you don't think bad things about us, you think good things about us to bring us to an expected end. But yet that expected end to you isn't limited to 2023, 2024, 2030, to Klaus Schwab and to CBDCs and all that other stuff. Your expected end is where you want to bring us in all of eternity. Your expected end was what you wrote in our books before we were born. And none of us are aware of it. Your expected end may be that you need us, and it's it's part of your end by its design and definition. You need us here because there are... Every soul is so utterly precious, and there are things that we might say, things that we might put in an email, things that we might just tend around about or chuckle at the right time as people are beginning to wake up and see videos of, of people horrified by shape-shifting reptilians on airplanes or horrified because they're coming out of an AMC theater movie uh, or whatever because, you know, about... Children being uh, stolen away. I'm just going to leave it at that. And it's ten times worse than what was in the movie. And the movie, unfortunately, did not. In case you're expecting this and you're planning to go see it, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it did not call out any of the perpetrators at all. And they're already trying to take it out of the theaters, I've heard. What breaks my heart is that I know that it's not going to make any difference because it's been going on for so long. It's been going on for so long. 
and the people that are just waking up to it, even Jim, the star, you know, the actor, Jim Caravelle, whatever, uh, they just, they're just, they're the ones who are just waking up to it. Not me. I've known about it for a long, long time. Long time. It's been around for a long time. And it doesn't make any less horrible, but it makes it quite disappointing for somebody that has been awake to these things for many decades. That we're not even one nanometer closer to anybody being arrested, no indictments, nothing. Just the same waking up every day with Sonny and Cher singing on the radio at Patuxetani, Pennsylvania. For decades, as things get darker and darker. But Father, we do recognize and we praise you for this. There's got to be a bigger reason. Even though it to us it may seem like a small reason. To us, that perfectly placed email, that gentle word, that kind act, that knowing smile, or maybe frown, or a look of sadness from across the table is the confirmation to have people talking openly about reptilian beings on airplanes, people that don't even understand what they are. So many. They can look up the history about them, and they can make all kinds of videos about them and their history, but they do not understand what's going on. They just don't get it. They think they do. They don't. Father, we have been blessed with that understanding. But we have also been deeply challenged. And we pray that you will continue to help us. As it says in Isaiah forty thirty one, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will not walk and not faith. Are faint. And Father, we ask continuously for an infusement, an infusing of your supernatural power, supernatural peace, supernatural understanding, supernatural patience, supernatural long-suffering, supernatural trust, and a supernatural ability to hear some of the most horrible things that no one should ever have to be subject to. Certainly not a son of God. Certainly not a royal priest of the heavens. But here we are. So there's obviously a greater, greater calling than we can measure. We don't have the capacity. We do not have the understanding. We do not have the, we cannot see. We are blind. Only you can see, Father. Only you understand why all these things must come to pass. And all we can do is accept that it's, and be pretty certain that it's going to get a lot worse. And 
So we ask you, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, as we suffer, as we forgive those who trespass against us, as we deal with the daily stressors and challenges and problems and aches and pains, and I'm not just saying little bitty ones, I'm saying some whoppers, the death of our family, the astonishingly difficult, I don't even, can't even think of the right words, they're just aren't words that describe it, the agonizing endurance that we have to put on in order to be able to maintain. We ask you for all that you're willing to give us, Father. Your will be done. And just as Jesus said to you, we say to you, if is it all possible. If it's not, then so be it. And we shall continue to suffer. Because we know you are an awesome Father. And there's a reason for all these things. And we also know from very believable prophecies that may or may not come true that things are going to get a lot worse. And of course our hopes, the greatest and most deepest hope of our hearts would be that we had done what you asked us to do, what we had done well, what you wanted us to do, and that we would be, we would be able to escape all these things. But we don't know what the definition of all is, and we don't know how much you need us and what the master plan is, what the master timeline is. We thank you for the list of events that we can watch for. Quite frankly, there are many of them on that list that we collectively wish we didn't have to be here for. And we'll continue to hope that we don't. But we pray, Father, for more grace. Please, if there is anything we need more now than ever before in our entire life, it is a word which can be defined so many different ways, but never one way that explains the depth, the breadth, the length, the width, the unbelievable supernatural nature of your grace. It doesn't always come without tears. But it will pull us through. When it doesn't look like there's any way we're going to be able to make it through. Like the sticker on my laptop says, everything looks impossible until it's done. And we pray for that strength and that grace an abundance and outpouring of your grace through your loving kindness and mercy upon us to be able to better endure 
to not be breaking down and look, I know, Father, I know you called it the beginning of sorrows, Jesus. We know that you use those words for a reason. And if the beginning, if we're only in the beginning of sorrows, my goodness gracious, the implications of what that is. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. The implication of what that, the, what that implies is what we have to endure is going to be way worse than what we're seeing today. All we can do is say, please, Father, speed things up. Like the martyrs underneath the throne, crying out to you day and night. Oh, when will you avenge us? When will you avenge our blood, Father? We here in this very dark planet praise you for choosing us for these days not knowing why, and simply ask you to pour out all the grace, an abundance of grace into our hearts that goes beyond anything that words could describe. In the name of Jesus, we pray and thank you. Amen. Tonight is Friday, July the 7th of 2023. The time now is 7.38 p.m. on the east coast of the United States, Babylon the Great. And together, we light the Sabbath candles because our Father has blessed us to be able to get together and pray and to talk to Him. I love to talk to the Father, frankly. I don't think it's intimate when you don't do that. Hold on a second. There we go. Couldn't get my... uh, Oh, don't tell me my lighter is busted again. Oh, no. Hold on a second. It's just, the day was going so good until about 30 minutes before the prayer vigil. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to have to burn my hands. Hold on. I've got one of these teeny weeny little lighters. That let, they really make you burn your hands. Oh, hallelujah. And I light three candles, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I got them all lit without burning my hand too bad. And once again, a perfectly good lighter goes into the trash. Because the drawer closed on it, I guess, wrong. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise you and we thank you for pouring out your grace upon us. We accept that gift. It is a gift that we know that you're going to give us. There is not one word anywhere in the scripture. There is not one word that we have covered, not one possibility that you would, not, you would be unwilling to give us an abundance, an outpouring of your grace. There isn't a word. Therefore, we accept that you will give it to us. We praise you for giving it to us. We praise you in advance because we know we are going to receive it. And we thank you, Father God, for a good week next week, for a, um, for a, uh, I, I, I don't know, a holy, calloused heart in such a way that we can be sad but be happy at the same time and not let the beginning of sorrows or the sorrows period overwhelm us to a place where it yanks us away from the presence of the joy of where it is we are going. Because that joy is that light. And Father, Lord Jesus, it was you that told us that we needed to shine a light. Therefore, we praise you 
for that incredible abundance of your grace. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and thank you, Father, as we know that we have already received it. Amen. The Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yavahu v'ratzon in Chilanu, Zikaron Lemase Vereshit. Kihu Yom Techila Lemikra Ekodesh, Zechelitziat Mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch atah Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship, and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together.
flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, yet we will rejoice in the Lord. We will be joyful in the God of our salvation. Habakkuk 3.17. Praise you, Jesus. Strong fortress. My rep- 
scripture just now it's not finite there's not a single word in this passage that says anything about a begin it says a beginning but it doesn't say an end it makes one wonder really when you search your soul of the depths of God, from their vantage point, our period of time here on earth is, as the scripture says in many different places, but a breeze, depending on the translation, but a zephyr. The implication is that our lives to us may seem long, but are very short. Of course, when you're looking forward, it certainly doesn't seem that way at all. It's when you're looking backward and you're going, wait a minute. 9-11 was how many years ago? But there's no... um, There's no time encasement in this scripture. You saw me before I was born. There's the beginning. 
Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. But it doesn't have an ending. It's not parenthetical. It doesn't have another parenthesis on the end. What that implies is that whatever the rewards are that our Father has for us, as undeserving as we are, believe me, I have the same feelings as many do. I can't even imagine getting any, actually. I really can't. But let's assume that it's bigger than we think. Or that the intention of the Lord is that it ought to be bigger than... Maybe there's like this plan. Maybe he has a plan for us in eternity that is so far greater than we can possibly imagine. But part, there's a condition. There's a condition. And that condition for us to qualify for that which is what he wants, what he wrote into our book, which was our, supposed to be our eternal destiny. Even though he knew all the dork-ups we were going to make throughout our lives. Colossal ones for me. I don't do anything halfway, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> I imagined a cloud of witnesses... You know, if they have wine in heaven, I imagine the cloud of witnesses, you know, kind of like raising a glass of wine going, oh, here goes Johnny again, about to dork up on a colossal level like normal. But there's no limit to it. There's It almost implies, well, it kind of does imply that. The end result of what was written in our books transcends the time that we spend on the earth. And then, can you imagine, comparatively speaking, and this takes a real serious exercise in critical thinking, especially when, you know, like right at the moment, I'm not thinking about the things that I saw today that I'd rather not have seen. And... You know, I, if you just divorce yourself from all of that for a second and focus on things above and not on things of this world, Colossians 3, 2, then the possibilities are pretty huge. See, to me, I've read so many testimonies of people that have been taken to heaven and Angelica Zambrano and how she, as she was flying over heaven with this angel escorting her, she couldn't understand why the angels weren't, weren't working on some of the mansions. They were just kind of hanging out, you know, smoking cigars and stuff. I'm kidding. But I'm just saying, they're just hanging out. They weren't doing anything. And she said to the angel, how come the angels, are, you know, the angel that was escorting her, how come the angels aren't working on those mansions? It wasn't all of them. It was just a few. And the angel that was escorting her said, because, I don't know, I guess the person had backslidden or was in a backslidden state, so they wouldn't move forward with 
the building materials and the additional rooms of the mansion, making it bigger and adding really cool stuff to it uh, because that person was in a backslidden state. That person was shaking their fist at God and saying, I can't believe I have to go through all this terrible stuff instead of praising him. So then somebody from the throne room grabbed one of those little Motorola walkie-talkies and called down to the construction site. Johnny's dorking up again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just have all that lumber taken back to Home Depot. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but for now, it's got to go back to home. I know you just brought it. I know. Well, you know. I wonder how many of those dork-ups we're going to have to experience with the darkness that's surrounding us right now. I wonder how many times we're not, we're going to have a difficult, how many, can you imagine the Christians, the millions of them that are in churchianity right now, that are completely ill-prepared? How many millions of them who have been taught by pre-trib, um, uh, you know, rapture teacher pre- preachers, you know, we're not going to have to go through any of this bad stuff. I still remember looking at a YouTube video. I'm not going to mention the pastor. It's, a, it's what's known as a super church or a mega church out in, in Texas. I'll leave it at that. And it was actually a live film. Well, it wasn't happening live at the time, but when it was filmed, it was live. And it was a, it was a large congregation, and the pastor was up there banging his hands with authority on the podium, saying to everybody in the church, there's going to be a financial collapse. Things are looking really bad. Bang on the podium. Bang on the podium. And everybody's going, Rah! and he got them all riled up. And he said, but we're not going to be here because... We're going to be in heaven at the wedding supper. We're going to be raptured out of here. Thank you, Jesus. And the entire congregation jumped to their feet and raised their hands in the air and started cheering. What a sobering thing to recall and see knowing that not only are we going to be here for that financial collapse, well, we will, but probably a bunch more, and the really sobering thing is the vast number of visions and dreams over the last 12 years that I was given not you know I didn't receive them because I asked God to keep me out of the business of receiving visions and dreams and things because what happens is I can't do my job for the Lord if I'm getting taken to heaven if I get taken to heaven then my job becomes tell everybody what you did when you were in heaven tell everybody what Jesus looked like you know there's other people to do that job my job is George Nori. My job is Monty, Monty Hall. Okay, that's my job. I'm, I'm the master of ceremonies. I, I, you know, whatever you want to call me, the, the, the you know, the, the Dorcasaurus of ceremonies. I, I'm the one who has to sit in the middle and kind of like, you know, do the traffic cop thing and say, that's a bunch of bunk and that's not a bunch of bunk and we better pay attention to this and we better watch out for that. And whatever you do, don't go to YouTube and join a prayer group because somebody's going to turn on you and stick a knife in your back and, and watch out, you know, and, and please don't believe that nonsense 
nonsense about you know the, the Old Testament and, and God being some you know Satan and it's flipped upside down, which is the Masons and what they'd like it, and all this other weirdness and the stuff that I get all the time from people. They're just going out there and polluting their hearts and their minds with satanic information, and then they get confused. But can you imagine? I don't know how many it was, but I would say it's probably about 12 that I received over the last 12 years. Now, several of you know, I'm, but anyway. And those visions, one was from Dr. David O'Rourke, highly reliable. Uh, there was another one from a man by the name of Benjamin. Now, I haven't heard anything from him for a long time, so I don't know. It doesn't, it's irrelevant to me. I don't care. People come, people go. There's all kinds of ones that I've, you know, used to follow very closely that have long disappeared. Um, But that's okay. It doesn't mean that they weren't legit. And it doesn't mean that they weren't angels either. But I received an awful lot of visions and dreams, etc. That said, the estimate, the estimate. Okay, because people would ask the questions as they were, you know, 2% of the average church congregation or revival or whatever. Like, like for example, Dr. David O'Rourke, he was given a vision and he was at a revival. Um, I remember I got really excited because, you know, it was, he said that during the revival, the rapture would occur. And he was having a revival down in Canberra, which is, uh, I guess, the capital of Australia or whatever, which I think is kind of funky. You always think it ought to be the bigger, well, more well-known names like Melbourne or whatever, but um, even Perth. But no, it's I guess it's Canberra, and I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But um, And I was all excited because it was going to be a month, you know, it was going to be on the 28th of next month that Dr. O'Rourke was going to have a revival in Canberra. And I thought, that's going to be the rapture. But he saw only 2%. That was his estimate of the people in the congregation of the revival that had been refined enough. Maybe we need more refinement. Maybe we need to cry more. I find that hard to believe for me. Sometimes I think I've cried as much as I can I can take it. I don't even think sometimes I really honestly I honestly think I'm gonna lose it. I'm not gonna be able to do my job. Um I've I have I I have learned I'm just sharing testimony, I have learned to deal with some things that annoy me real, real bad. I mean real real bad. Really like super bad. The kind of things that I would speak out about nicely, I wouldn't like be dropping F-bombs on the person or whatever. I'd saying, hey, you know, we have to have a talk. You know, let's talk about this. Let's see. What can we do to resolve this? And, you know, it's fascinating, but the Lord has been placing it on my heart to just deal. To... Put myself in that other person's emotional state, even though they're doing a pretty good job of hiding it. And 
they have like, you know, or that person has like, uh, like behaviors that drive you crazy. Do you have somebody in your house like that maybe? A spouse, one of your teenage kids, an aunt or an uncle or a parent that you're taking care of. I seem to find myself in that situation a lot. A lot. And I usually am able to, you know, work around that. I might make a couple of off-the-cuff tongue-in-cheek comments or whatever. <laughs> like with Mary Lee. God bless her, sweetheart. She put up with so much. But when her doggy bit me, man, I rolled that dog like a bowling ball down the hallway. <laughs> I had about as much as I could take of that. But anyway... um, it was just a little furry annoyance, you know, like a yippee yippee dog, yip 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 yip, yip. It's like you know, like a chihuahua. But anyway, um, but a really furry chihuahua, kind of like cousin it. Imagine like a chihuahua that was like cousin it, you know, or a tribble from Star Trek, you know. But anyway, um, but it bit, you know. So I was like, okay, there's enough of that. But, you know, it's fascinating. It's like sometimes you just see such a giant ball of ugly. Uh, it's not so much ugly. Maybe it's just like a combination. Maybe it's like um, like one of the ways I like to make meatloaf is like um, I just made this up. I, I make up all kinds of recipes all the time. They always come out really good. People tell me I should have started a restaurant. And then I think of the hours and I'm like, forget that noise. Praise God. But anyway, um, the way that I like to make meatloaf is um, to to use a food processor and to food process onions, green bell peppers, red bell peppers, uh, garlic if you want to use raw garlic or you can just use the stuff in oil, which is what I prefer because I don't like to mess with it. Um, and you and you food process it, you know, and then you just dump it into your big mixing bowl, and you use oh, and of course you got to pour like Worcestershire sauce, lots of it, lots of Worcestershire sauce on top of it, and um, and then you just like mash it all together. What's really fascinating is when you make meatloaf. Who who thought that the prayer vigil would turn into like a you know Martha Stewart show? But anyway. Um, when you mix it all up like that, you might think, why would that be so fabulous? Well, I'll tell you why it's so fabulous. Because there's a lot of water in red, green bell peppers and onions. And you don't have to put an awful lot of onion in it. You just put like, you know, like a quarter of a small onion, you know, if you don't want to be overwhelmed. But when you mix that all together and you make it into a meatloaf and put it in a little meatloaf pan or whatever... Let me tell you something right now. And don't forget about your, you got to have your Worcestershire sauce, a lot of it. Okay, mix it all up real good. It's going to be kind of wet. And put it in your meatloaf pan and go ahead and cook it however long. I do, I always use 350 for however, I never use anything over 350. I cook everything at 350. But anyway, you're going to be blown away by it. It's going to be the most flavorful incredible meatloaf that you've ever had, most likely. And it will be so moist and tender and juicy. 
But you'll be like, this is not even meatloaf to me. This is amazing. And I guess the reason I brought this up was that I think sometimes when I look at my life as a Christian, you know, they say there's a, there's an old saying, you know, no, no good deed goes unpunished, right? Whether you're at work or, you know, you do something really great at work and what do they do? Throw you 10 times more work than you wanted in the first place. You know what I mean? Now you're under pressure coming at you. I mean, it's just amazing. No good deed goes unpunished, right? Well, that goes for all aspects of the walk in Christ. It does. For one reaction, there is another reaction. Action, reaction. The trick seems to be to understand that for whatever repercussions that are going to happen for any choice that you make as a Christian, any choice, whatever that may be, you may have been thrown into that choice. It wasn't your choice. You may have been given options to go back to the way things were or whatever, but chose not to and knew that the scriptures supported you. So, but what I'm saying is it's kind of like that meatloaf. There's always something. There's stuff. There's lots of different, what would you call it, attributes, things that you have to think about. You've got to put yourself on the other person's shoes. You've got to um, say to yourself, wow, how much is that person hurting inside? You're focused on something that to you might seem to be a big deal. But to the person that you would have to confront, it's a hundred times worse. But you can't anticipate that. You don't know what that other individual is going through. You don't know what they're suppressing. You don't know how close they are to throwing their hands up and giving up, or worse. That's why it says in Jude, um, I think it's like 23 or something like that. Um, And some save with compassion, knowing the difference. And others save with fear, pulling, you know, pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. This big, giant, what do they call them, stuffed mashed potatoes. Some of the restaurants have uh, different kinds of little nicknames. (sighs) When you want every little thing like bacon bits and cheese and chives and sour cream and butter and blah, 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 garlic. But that's kind of like what it is. Every situation is kind of like that. Every situation. And I think part of the gift of grace might be some of the things that I'm going through right now that maybe you are too. Some of the things that you might not be going through right now that you will be soon. A lot of these things you don't see common. Most of the time you don't see it common. We always like to think we're going to be ready. 
What's that saying? Men men plans, God laughs. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it fascinating that the simplicity of our walk... You know what? I read this little ditty that came up on my phone from Olive Tree... And they do this sometimes. They pop little things up and say, here's some amazing revelations that you should read. And one of them is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. And it's good. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The message that Olive Tree's little, I don't know, blessing blurb, what's trying to send and essentially stated was that this is the will of God for you. You are walking in God's will when you rejoice always, even when things are crummy. You pray without ceasing, even when things are good. I mean, don't forget the oh, big job there. Let me tell you what, I ain't just, whew, that's huge, way huger. I wish I, I wish I had known 50 years ago how important prayer was. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then, of course, in verse 18, it says, and in everything give thanks, everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And their implication was that this is God's will for you. And if you would just do these things. And that's when I uh, made the app disappear. Because we come to the book of James. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Probably one of the best books in the entire Bible. I would submit if I had to be given one book, you know, other than one of the Gospels, preferably, I think, for me, Matthew. I like Matthew. Um, it would be it would be James. I wouldn't like not having the rest of them. Don't get me wrong. But I could just, like, read James over and over and over again. You know, James 1, verse 2, my brethren, count it all a joy when you fall into various trials. (laughs) Bingo! Ding, 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 (laughs) ding. Right? Which one of us out there is, uh, who out there wants to give a praise offering to Jesus because you don't have any trials and tribulations right now? Because if you fit into that category, something's not right. Now, you may be handling it a little bit more I don't know. There's different personalities. People have different personalities. doesn't mean that they're good, bad, ugly, indifferent, or bad. You know, there's anything incorrect about the way they act. Some people just hide their emotions. I know that's how my sister is. She hides her emotions really well. And she does appear to be a very happy, praiseful. I mean, she's been through some horrible things. 
I don't think I could handle it as gracefully as she gracefully as she does. However, there's other things, you know. Like I told her, I sent her a message and said, "I'm praying for you. Just want to let you know I'm praying for you." <laughs> you know what her response was? Her response was, "Uh-oh, did I do something wrong? Is something bad going to happen?" <laughs> Can you imagine that attitude? I'm like, okay. I'm like, no, no. Praise God. My brethren, count in all the joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Okay. Well, for me, I, I guess I can finally say at this point in my walk, as long as it has taken, and boy, what a journey. It's been a long, 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 painful, agonizing, rough, bumpy road. Wow. That path might be narrow and it might be straight, but by golly, it's got some potholes in it the size of an Indian elephant. For sure. Um, Verse 4 says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and completely lacking nothing. Complete and lacking nothing. Just from going through trials and tribulations. Hmm. I suppose I can see how that could work. I can definitely say if it wasn't for the trials and tribulations in my life since, like, say, the middle of 2017, definitely the beginning of 2018. Um, yeah, there's a lot of change. I love this scripture, one five. If anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to them. Just remember this. It might take a couple years before you get your answer. But always be listening for it. Because you will get it. Now what I don't care much for, but it's good that it's there, is verse 6 where it says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. I'm like, what a spanking. I mean, that is us. Banking. You know, really, when you think about it, I mean, not to be uh, flippant or anything, but in, you know, in all fairness, when Jesus yelled over to the apostles, oh, ye of little faith, that kind of qualifies for the last half of James 1, 5. I guess they were double-minded men, unstable in all of their ways. <laughs> you know, two and two, right? Wow, that's a harsh thing. So right now, I always, I always lean heavily on James one five, but I stop where it says, "And it will be given to him." I don't need to be reminded of the last part. Hearing it once is enough, because quite frankly, for me, James one verse six steals my faith away. That warning is a little too harsh for my liking. All I want to know is that if I ask God, he's going to give it to me. 
He's going to answer my prayer. He's going to answer, give me the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding that I'm asking for. And so far, he's given me some unbelievable understanding of stuff. And sometimes I had to wait a real long time, years, to get that understanding. You know, then here's that, here's, here again is another, I didn't even know this was there. I mean, I know, I remember from the last time I read it, but like James 1, 9, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in their humiliation, because as a flower of the field, it will pass away. Letting us know how fleeting anything here on the earth is. And that all of our riches and glory, all of our rewards in heaven is the only thing that will last and is the only thing that really matters. And everything that we do today needs to be done in humiliation, with a contrite spirit, out of obedience and an abundance of deep love. And we need to be able to deal with the fact that there's onions in the meatloaf. We don't really like onions very much. So many awesome, awesome, awesome scriptures. I mean, just every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. See, some people take this as meaning that God doesn't change his mind. Ah, but they don't have the wisdom to understand the the uh, witticism. The witticism says the only thing that's constant is change. The only thing that's constant is change. I had somebody text me all distraught because they were being viciously assaulted and ripped asunder by other Christians in their prayer group. Because, you know, that's what you do when you love somebody. And uh, because they, you know, wanted to put up a Christmas tree. I said, well, that's weird. Because my Bible calls, calls our Heavenly Father the Father of lights. But, you know, I'm sure there's no coincidence there. There's just so many tidbits. Be ye doers of the word and not just hearers of the word, deceiving yourselves. Doers of the word. Boy, that if that's all inclusive, that's a lot of stuff. A lot more than First Thessalonians five, uh, uh, sixteen through eighteen. Way, 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 way more. And then it kind of, I don't know, kind of pats you on the head and gives you a little fluffy feeling of happiness and says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. Hmm. Sounds easy, doesn't it? But there's more. Thank you, Jesus. It warns you and says, you believe that there is one God? Well, you do well. Good for you. But even the demons believe that. So not so good for you. 
But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Whoa. That is like a giant serialized Louisville slugger right upside the back of your head. There are some really good ones in here. Chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You notice that Charles Spurgeon kind of stole a little bit of that in his little dissertation about prayer. That you may spend it on your own pleasures. Oh, Father, please let Donald Trump get elected again. Let him get elected again because we don't want to go through any bad things. We don't want to. We just don't want to. We know they're in your Bible, but we just don't believe. We don't want to. Please, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bring back Donald Trump. He's going to save us. You chose him, Father. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I go back into the flesh and I stop being a citizen citizen of heaven, (laughs) I don't think the choice is very complex. But on the flip side of that coin, when you know that you're going to have to go through a whole pile of ugly to make it into the arms of Jesus. The only bad part is how long it's taking. And then it goes on to say, adulteresses and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, he who wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enmity with God. Now that is a gem. How many people... What do you think being a friend of the earth means? Do you think that wanting that raise at work? Now, wait a minute. Let me, let me help you out with this one here because this is deep. This is real deep. This is something I've dealt with a long time ago. So, let's say you want that very significant raise in promotion at work. Very significant. We're talking about fifteen, twenty thousand dollars more a year. Okay, you with me now? Now does wanting that and getting on your knees and praying for it indicate that you are at friendship with the world and therefore at enmity with God, hatred with God, totally antichrist at that moment in time. And what is the exception to that? I will tell you. John fourteen twelve thirteen and 14 says, that which you ask for in my name will be given to you that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you are on your knees praying for that promotion, Because you want to give your kids better cereal in the morning, drive them with a nicer car back and forth to school, it doesn't work. You're in love with the, you are, no, it's not a godly thing. You are at friendship with the world. You are praying amiss. You are doing it so that you can spend it on your own pleasures. 
The exception to that is when deep inside your heart you know and you mean it that you will be able to help way more people. You will be able to give tons more money. You are going to be able to... And and I'm not talking about just thinking about it. I'm talking about that you actually do it till it hurts. I'm telling you, folks, I'm I'm not going to give up my rewards in heaven by giving away details, left hand, right hand, all that stuff. But I will tell you, I know what it feels like to be in those in that situation, in a situation where my heart told me because I could not help it through the love of Christ that I had to help that person. I had to do this. I had to do that. And I did it and I did it and I did it and I did it. And I didn't even look back. And I love that I could do it. And I pray all the time. The only reason, man, I'll tell you what, if I cut back on my expenses in this house really hard, cut them way back, paid off all my credit cards, which I could do, which I'm going to, I could very easily cut my job back to half what I'm making now, easily, and do okay. Now, I'm not going to get into my checkbook and explain to you where everything goes and why it goes there and all that kind of stuff. That's irrelevant. I can also say that if it it wasn't for giving and, and doing what our Heavenly Father has asked of me, I probably could retire right now. But I can't because I got to do what I got to do. And that's okay. Praise God. But I can't. And it ain't about a bigger mansion. I don't care about Angelica Zambrano flying overhead and saying Johnny Baptist's mansion isn't getting worked on right now. To me, that's irrelevant. I've got I, I I've got a two thousand square foot uh, house with a four hundred square foot garage, and and a pool in the backyard. It's a small lot, but whatever. But you know, a big old avocado tree and a giant forty foot mag- mango tree. And right now the mangoes are are um, bi- they're big and they're falling off the tree. And when they hit the roof, it's like boom, 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 boom. The dogs start bar- start barking. You get so many mangoes, it's like what am I going to do with all these things? Because you don't, there you just can't think of stuff. There's just not enough. There's too many mangoes. But I can tell you that the number one reason that I pray for my job, and not just say the heck with all this, the heck with it all. I'm sick of hearing about shape-shifting reptilians. I don't want to hear about any more people freaking out on planes. I don't want to hear Klaus Schwab say another word, or I'm going to freak out and get a rifle and shoot his head off. That's the flesh. And I'm surprised somebody hasn't done it already. But vengeance is God, saith the Lord. That's the flesh. We all have to deal with that. But I I know when I look at the motives behind why I do what I do, I already know in advance. Now there are some excesses in my life that I will probably lose rewards for. I get bored, you know. I have some, you know, I don't know. There's, I guess we all have things like that. I'm a nester. I buy knickknacks and things. And then I, after I buy them, I'm like, why did I buy that? That was kind of dumb. 
But anyway, we all have our foibles and our issues. But when it comes to the big stuff, we have to look at these scriptures in James. We have to ask ourselves the hard questions. What is our motive for praying like that? Are you praying so that God will be glorified? We should be examining all of our motives in our walk. And whatever you do, do not be surprised when you, hopefully you won't, but if you disregard my recommendation, as most do, and go join some online YouTube-based or whatever-based prayer group or Christian get-together, and you run into a lot of really, really, really bad stuff. Name-calling. People humiliating you and saying things like you're never going to make it into heaven and all kinds of stuff. These people, they don't understand. It's not you that's going to have a problem. It's them. In fact, some of the things they're saying are so rotten and crummy, they may not be allowed into heaven at all. There's um, oh, there's another scripture, and I didn't highlight it, so I'm kind of bummed out. But I'll just uh, repeat it from memory. In James, I'm not sure where it is, but it's somewhere in James. I know that it is, and it says, "If you see, if anyone who sees someone, you know, that needs help, and does not provide that help to them, to them it is a sin." So I need to go back through James and find some more gems and highlight them. And then I got to put it in my paper Bible because they're going to pretty soon they're going to cut all this stuff off. The way things are going, the electronic Bibles on the internet are going to go away. We all need to invest in um, paper Bibles. I do recommend an NLT. It can be a standalone NLT, but you're going to want to have at least one NLT, and then. Um, a parallel New King James and Amplified. Get a parallel one of those. That's the main one that I use as a paper Bible when I do. But most of the time I use digital. Because I can move around really fast. And when you use the uh, olive tree, the applications are free. So the one that you put on your phone is free. You just have to spend like 10 or 15 bucks for each um, translation. Well, if you're okay with NLT, um, ESV, um, KGV, um, New King James, Amplified, I mean, that's not a very big investment at all. And guess what? When you highlight a scripture in one translation, providing that you touch the numbers, like, you know, James 5, 19, well, if you touch the actual number 19, it highlights the whole verse, and then when you pick the color, green or pink or whatever, that highlighting goes to all the translations automatically. That is a very cool feature. So I will miss it come the day that they cut us off, because it's 
it's probably closer than we think. But that's a, that is a very convicting scripture, you know, to um, to any of us who sees, you know, who sees someone um, in need and does not do something about it. To that person, it is a sin. So that's like a that's another one of those all-encompassing catch-all scriptures that basically says. Anything, anything that you do or fail to do, knowing that you should have is a sin. And now you know why I really like the book of James. It's just one of those books. It's short. It reads in about 30 minutes tops, even if you're highlighting. And it's got to be read several times. Every time you read it, you're going to spot something else that just makes you go, wow. And that these things are things that we need to have etched upon our heart because when the days get darker, see, that's what I like the most. The stuff I like the most about the New Testament is the stuff that tells us how we need to feel, how we need to behave, how we need to think, how we need to evaluate ourselves. Think about it. The next time you get on your knees, what is your motivation? Why are you praying for that? Now, if you're praying to be healed because you know you have more stuff you want to do for God and more things you want to do for the poor and the hurting and the suffering and the lost, that's a very righteous thing. But if you're praying to be healed because you just don't want to die, not very righteous. And if you think I'm calloused and mean for saying that, well then, you got to check your heart. Because it's all about our Father. It's all about His righteousness, His kingdom. And the last thing I need is another room on my mansion. Because if I don't have an angel running a vacuum cleaner constantly, it's going to be a real problem. Because I hate running vacuum cleaners. (laughs) I don't like doing my laundry. Okay? And the last thing I want is another room on my mansion. Thank you, Jesus. Although I would like a really teeny-weeny one in the city of God because there's supposed to be some really cool stuff that's up there that you don't get in the country mansions. Country mansions are very nice, but there's some really cool stuff. Really cool stuff in the city mansion. Praise God. And on that note, let's go ahead and do communion.
disciples were seated about you at the eve of unleavened bread. You said I eagerly yearned for this supper, and that you suffer so his children could be fed. I can only imagine the silence in the room as you passed on the bread to be told. They did not understand the reach of his plan. In his love, we were told to rejoice, not to mourn. So we gather from memory the glory of the Lamb, the one who was slain for the seed of Abraham. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the king and his bride. When our waiting has ceased, You were open, went back up to heaven to speak to the heavenly force. You lifted the cup of forgiveness. It was paid, it was done. You had power to call, and I can only imagine the thunder sound as the heaven exploded in tears. We were freed from our chains. That remain to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather the memories of our soul. Destroyer of death, the Lord of our all. The light in our arms, the edge of our sword, the King of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. Believing a land, all of creation restored by his hand, eternity, all is revealed by the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased,
of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. We praise you, Father. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night 
in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. same manner he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Vadodi, Vadodi Li. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. God bless you all. I pray and I hope, really I do that you were blessed by our little talk tonight. Maybe if we don't leave earlier, we'll see you again this Friday, Lord willing. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. 
Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full. Our hearts are right. Like those five wise virgins we will be. Your bride awaits thee patiently. Longing for that blessed sound that will rise. The churches gather, we're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set us free